Welcome to the Innovation in Government show sponsored by Carasoft. Each month we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now here's your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guest is Steve Harris, the Senior Vice President and General Manager for Dell EMC Federal. Steve, welcome to the program. Well, thank you very much. What a pleasure to be here today. Before we get started, let me set some context for our discussion. When Congress wonders why agencies aren't moving to the cloud more quickly or keep getting hacked or continue to hang on to what we'll call the waterfall approach to IT development, it all comes back to really two interrelated things, people and training. A survey of federal CIOs by the Professional Services Council finds the skill sets needed to successfully move off of old technology and into the cloud, for instance, shut down old systems, just doesn't exist broadly enough across the government. And the workforce piece goes even deeper than just the skill sets to move technology one of four online respondents believe the lack of resources has a significant negative impact on staff morale and actually leads to staff burnout. So even if there's a will, is there a way? Respondents to the PSE survey say the hiring freeze, budget uncertainty also hampered the IT modernization initiatives. And all of these challenges, we know them, we've talked about them for years, the people, the training side, but there's gotten little to no attention from Congress or the Trump administration. But there are glimmers of hope. Congressman Will Hurd, for example, is floating the idea of a cyber national guard where college students exchange tuition payment for service in the government. And then after so many years, become part of what they call the call up expertise in case of emergency and or the fact is that they'll drill around cybersecurity issues several times a year. And the White House's cybersecurity executive order also recognizes the need for better trained workforce. The White House's cyber executive order also recognizes the need for a better trained workforce. NIST is leading an effort to create a report assessing the current skill sets of the public and private sector workforces around cybersecurity. And the Office of Director for National Intelligence also is working on a report focused on how foreign adversaries develop their cyber workforces. But beyond those reports, which we don't really know the status of them, there hasn't been a lot of other public action. So how can agencies and industry work together to improve the workforce and IT modernization? Well, that's where you come in, Steve. (laughs) Steve Harris, once again, is the Senior Vice President and General Manager of Dell EMC Federal. As I set this up, the context around, for instance, workforce, the context around IT modernization, talk a little bit about these two intersection and and how you're seeing how they build off of each other. You just covered a lot of ground. Maybe too much, right? Well, it's it's a complex topic of conversation. Um, When you combine the, the challenging job description of many of our government workers with the uh, difficulty of acquiring the technology necessary for them to optimally accomplish their job. There's a lot of factors that play into, you know, how we got to where we are and um, how do we transform today's reality to get to where we need to be. I think that, that, you know, you have um, a myriad of um, elements to consider as you as you chart your path forward. First of all, I would just kind of break it down, you know, very simply and say that when, when you, you know, you look at, you know, putting technology in the hands of the government worker that actually helps them do their job better, you kind of break this down between a, you know, a hardware conversation and a, uh, and a software conversation. From a software perspective, we have to, uh, you know, create optimal mobility. Uh, we have to secure our devices after enabling that, that, you know, the mobility necessary to do these jobs. I would really like to congratulate the department of defense that, you know, issued a mandate to replace, you know, more than 2 million endpoints, um, with the windows 10 devices, which brought them to a, uh, you know, and is in the process of bringing them to a, a state of 
highly secure endpoints that also offer a uh, you know a very optimal operating system that allows those workers you know the ability to to use their data in in a very effective manner as they ex- as they execute on some of the toughest and most challenging job descriptions in the world. It's interesting you broke it down hardware and software. We're going to go back to hardware in a second, but the software piece everything seems to be software these days, doesn't it? And and that's why that's so key and that's why things are changing from the workforce side too. But do agencies get that this software piece, someone told me recently, I thought that was very key conversation. They have to look at software as a strategic asset. Are you starting to see that recognition that the software is the key to, to both the workforce side and the IT modernization side? We at Dell Technologies like to articulate it in, in this way. We, we know that hardware runs software and software runs the world. Okay, and, and so when we look at transforming the workforce, you know, focusing on enhanced productivity, and, and improved outcomes, the first thing we have to do is really understand a job description. And you know, you use software to build a digital workflow that enables a government worker to actually execute on their jobs. I know sometimes when we talk to folks that are a little bit less familiar with some of the, the you know, some of the different jobs that exist in government, they think of, you know, a big building and somebody sitting there, Dilbert style, you know, just kind of, you know, punching numbers into a, into a console. When in fact, you look at the job description across most of the agencies on both the civilian side in, in almost all the roles that, you know, across the national security space, these are challenging mobile job descriptions that require people to actually, uh, you know, travel, you know, be away from from the government building and and actually execute on on complex tasks that are hands on. um, And that when when paired with the right technology solution can dramatically change the level of productivity and the speed to value that that worker is able to create for their mission. So it's it's integral, you know, to that to that inspector, uh, to the person that's you know uh, delivering on, on on homeland security or law enforcement. Clearly, all of our our servicemen and women. It's you know these are technology can make a, a really big difference in their ability to execute their their role. And I think you bring up a really interesting point because part of this push for IT modernization, for example, is to improve services to citizens. Is to improve productivity. Is to make federal services better, meaning the person from the agriculture department who's going out to talk to the farmer and the farmer says, okay, well, I had this many bushels of peas this month or this week. They can put that right into their tablet that can send that data right back and they can make that transaction happen so much more quickly. And that's all, as you said, for software runs the world. Uh, Is that effort happening? Not, Not the fact is that the agriculture department is using software, but the workers have to understand how the software works and then they have to have the software to to use it. Is, is that the, this transition we're talking about in many ways? Yeah, I think that's exactly what we're talking about. You know, we, we talk about cybersecurity and, and cybersecurity is part of everybody's job. And that is very much a people process and technology equation. So it, it's, it's training, it's awareness. But then you look at the jobs that people are actually doing. And you mentioned the, uh, you, you know, United States Department of Agriculture. And, you know, and I think of the FDA as an example and, and their responsibility for food safety. And so to have the right technology in their hands so that they can, you know, run apparatus that, that, that does testing on a real-time basis and, you know, if they have something to report on or a situational effect as it pertains to that supply chain for food, you know, they, they can actually operate on a real-time basis. I think we would all be surprised and dismayed how many jobs are still supported by, you know, a paper-based 
or, or, or really, you know, an analog type of um, um, workflow. And I think that's one of the mistakes that happened over the last 15 or 20 years is picking up that paper based workflow and just putting it into technology instead of relooking at the, the workflow, the changes. You also brought up cybersecurity, which is another layer of complexity that we have to talk about because, and we could talk about cybersecurity the whole show, I know that. But Steve, talk a little bit about the cybersecurity piece because that's a part of that training and it's part of the IT modernization. I'm going to go right back to um, you know Windows 10 and, and kind of foot stomp that one more time. You know Windows 10 is is the most secure operating system that's ever been devised for for endpoints. Um, to to roll it out in its full instantiation gives you uh, features like Secure Boot, and it's an incredibly important step towards pr- providing a secure endpoint. Strongly encourage you know any agency that hasn't mandated that that migration of Windows 10 to do so. It makes a big difference. But just the the continuation of the cyber sprint with things like dual factor authentication, um, you know, I think that that dual factor encryption uh, is very important. There's a lot of modern use cases now. And, you know, as an example, one of our capabilities is uh, is an RFID enabled geofencing capability so that, you know, when I roll out a mobile device to a government end user, they um, will have different permissions depending on what part of the building they happen to be and what room they're in. If, if that device exits the building, um, you know, it may turn to a brick, right? This is, uh, these profile management elements are, are, are enabled in, uh, from an IT management perspective, and it provides a lot of OPSEC, but a tremendous amount of productivity increase, you know, where, you know, it seamlessly migrates through uh, to, to enable these different um, profile permissions. That's a fascinating technology. Just real briefly, basically what you're saying is that it, it deals with roles and responsibilities of the user depending on where they are. I mean, if they're in a skiff or not in a skiff, or even just as simple as as they're in the wrong part of the building where they're trying to look at maybe not even classified information, but sensitive information. And because of the geolocation, the software knows it, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. You just nailed it. I think it's a great example of of a mobility solution that exists today that's very enabling for every kind of worker right across government even in the most sensitive areas that that didn't that really didn't exist any um production ability until recently and and then you know you have all the other capabilities out there that we've been shipping for many years on a commercial basis like uh like absolute software where you know if our device uh you know is ever reported as stolen to the agency, they're able to see the next time that uh, device hits a network and turn it, turn it into a brick. You know, also, they'll know where it hit the network, so they have a great you know, opportunity to recover that, uh, that asset. We have focused extensively uh, at Dell Technologies on supply chain risk management. And um, that means that the, that the devices that are coming out of our factories have, um, you know, been been very carefully managed so that when they arrive at the at the actual at, at the actual end user dock at the agency uh, receiving facility, that that they can deploy those those devices with great confidence. The other thing is that um, you, you know we we have multiple mobile devices that have been issued per user, and and a lot more examples of BYOD, bring your own device. And so as people are using their smartphones that, you know, they may also use at home, you know, rolling out capabilities like AirWatch mobile device management, which is another capability in our portfolio, help actually greatly reduce the risk of, um, of, a, of a cyber incident at the endpoint. So dual factor authentication, encryption, mobile device management, Windows 10, 
advanced solutions like geofencing are, are all, you know, in prime time and, and ready to be rolled out. So is the geofencing application, is that being used yet in the government? We do have examples of that being used in government and it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's ready to ship. And I know maybe you can't specifically say the who, but intelligence world, classified world, or just across the board, it's ready. Um, it, it's ready for for production, and I think that it, it it's uh, capable to support use cases really across the whole spectrum of government. And then the other piece of this is the Windows 10. You brought that up a couple of times around DoD, but that's also starting to leak into the civilian world too. Are you starting to see the civilian side? understand the benefits of Windows 10, the migration to it. I think the IT organization understands that. You know, in the DOD, it came from, you know, the very top as a mandate. And so I think that that helped a lot from a funding perspective, from a prioritization perspective. You know, we need at the at the secretary level of civilian agencies for them to recognize that this is a worthy mandate and they need to enable their, uh, you know, their, their FITARA their Patara enabled CIO to actually go out and do the right thing and say, hey, look, you know, what proportion of our of our mobile devices need to be as secure as possible? There's only one answer that 100 percent of them need to be right. If it, if it can't run Windows 10, the asset should be retired. New assets should be uh, acquired if, if 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 that asset's necessary. There's a use case for it. But but every endpoint in their um, in their environment should be run on Windows 10 and should be uh, you know covered by mobile device management best practices across the board, dual factor authentication, encryption, you name it. All right, good point, Liz. On that note, let's take a quick break. You're listening to the Innovation and Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Dell EMC Federal enables government agencies to modernize, automate, and transform their data center using industry-leading converged infrastructure, servers, storage, and data protection technologies. This provides a trusted foundation for agencies to transform IT, serve constituents, and meet the mission. Dell EMC offers the industry's broadest, most innovative infrastructure portfolio from edge to core to cloud so you can transform for the future. Learn more. Visit dellemc.com federal. Tune in on Tuesdays at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. for the Innovation in Government show sponsored by Kerasoft. Learn from industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Innovation in Government examines a wide range of topics and evaluates their payoff. Cybersecurity, big data, mobility, cloud computing, and more. Innovation in Government, Tuesdays at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m. Search Innovation in Government. Welcome back. You're listening to Innovation in Government show sponsored by Kerasoft on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest is Steve Harris, the Senior Vice President and General Manager of Dell EMC Federal. Now, Steve, before break, we're talking a little about this IT modernization, the cybersecurity side, the workforce side, how both of them are so interrelated. Let's still talk about the workforce a little bit more in the sense of how do you attract top talent? Because I think that's the other key. One of the things that, that I've noticed and that we've heard time and again is the federal government struggles to keep people and then also struggles to find them and not lose them to people like Dell EMC. So talk a little bit about that, what strategies work and what are you seeing in, in the government in terms of how are they ensuring they have the top talent? Sometimes it feels as though there's a bit of barrier to collaboration between industry and government, which which is a bit of a shame. And, and you know, I, I hear a comment similar to the one that you just made, uh, you know, losing top talent to industry, to, you know, to commercial companies. Well, here's the interesting thing, right? Industry on a broad basis is is absolutely ready to engage with federal to help them transform. 
And so you look at Dell EMC, which is a, uh, a company that, that has full portfolio, endpoint to data center infrastructure. We have uh, agile software development capability. We have we have cloud. We have uh, you know RSA as a security component, et cetera. We actually uh, just came together as a company about a year ago, and, and we've had to go through an incredible IT transformation within, within our own firm to enable uh, all of these uh, all of these members of the Dell Technologies family to optimally do their job, right? This is a big IT project internally as an IT corporation. I'm proud to say that you know we 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 uh, we drink our own champagne, and uh, a lot of the advice that that we would offer to uh, to a you know a government agency is well reflected in the work that we've done on our own internal integrations. But the point is this, right? Whether it's consulting, whether it's actually the you know technology products built as a solution and delivered to government, we're absolutely ready to help with the transformation that exemplifies the best practices in industry. That that we're that we are concerned will attract talent away from government. Well, so let's do it in government. I, I think the funding is there, right? I, I think that that you know the the IT leadership is there. So let's let's help you know IT leadership actually get you know get these projects off the ground and and be competitive with with the rest of the commercial sector. Do you think though that it's not a matter of not willing to collaborate or reach out. I mean, you know, I see it all the time. The, the number of RFIs, the number of RFPs, the number of task orders for support, for help, for, for it is not the problem, but it's the person or people that you work with as the industry in the government. The government has to have that skill set. So when you say, hey, I can do X, Y, and Z for you, they have to go, oh, I understand what X, Y, and Z is versus what I think the government got a bad reputation in the mid-2000s is just saying yes a lot because they had lost that talent or that knowledge base. And I think that's where the, the, the rub is happening. The problem that you're articulating exists both in, in, in the commercial world as well as in the government world. I, I think that, that what we sometimes lose focus on in, in, in government service is how dynamic and challenging a lot of the actual job descriptions within each agency are. In the commercial sector, it's equally difficult to actually build the technology model that really supports and enables these different challenging job descriptions. Today, we know that every, uh, you know, your average college student probably has three IP addresses and, and you know, a bunch of devices, you know, in their dorm room that, you know, they, they have lofty expectations of their university. They'll be able to use all of these devices, you know, in the job that they're doing. Well, you know, that's, that's all, all, not also... It's also not necessarily a practical expectation, right? So the, the, the reality is, is, you know, how well do we define, define the job? How well do we pair that to the technology, both from a device as well as a workflow perspective that, that will make it so that the, the person can, can come in and feel that they can be successful in what they're being asked to accomplish? I think that's a really interesting point you bring up about defining the job, pairing the technology to the workflow, and making sure that that person is successful. And I think many times, as you, I think you said earlier, that the old way was just digitized versus transformed. And I think what agencies are trying to do now is they understand the, that, that maybe either the technology wasn't ready or they weren't ready or they just made some mistakes. And now they're moving in that direction to pair, again, as you said, the technology with the workflow. Is that something that you're seeing happening enough or, or starting to really gain some momentum around? 
Yeah, increasingly, I do see agencies working hard to ask the right questions and therefore, let's say, design the right RFI, ultimately designing the right procurement where they are able to to get the you know the optimal device but they're also able to focus on speed to value to the uh, to the mission and you, you know government doesn't necessarily want to own all of the steps in in client lifecycle management right they they don't necessarily need to put the image on the system they, they um you know can can downsize the number of uh, of IT tools that they actually have as long as they're applying them correctly and you know if let's say it takes 30 or 45 days from the time that you actually receive a device or worse maybe 90 days or more in, in some cases that you can, you can work with your supplier to uh, consolidate the steps in the client lifecycle management and let's say the deployment process and actually get devices out more rapidly, you know, allowing people to enjoy the technology that helps them do their job better um, on, a, on a more real-time basis. One of the keys to this transformation that you just were talking about, the workflow pairing the technology with the workflow, is this push from Congress and the administration, both the Trump administration and, and the Obama administration, around giving CIOs, giving agency IT leadership more authorities. We've seen the Federal IT Acquisition Reform Act, FATARA. We've seen now the Modernizing Government Technology Act, the MGT Act, is about to become law uh, as it goes to the Defense Authorization Bill. And there's other pieces and parts that are kind of coming together. How is legislation, how is that from a policy perspective helping to move agencies forward from, again, we'll talk workforce and modern IT modernization? You know, one piece of uh, legislation that's out there is the uh, the transition to the Best Value Procurements Act, and that and I've recently heard uh, Congressman Connolly speak a little bit about that one. It kind of serves as the trifecta, uh, if you will. You know, where where Fatara enables the CIO to actually take charge of IT uh, and develop an optimal strategic plan. You know, MGT provides funding and direction to modernize uh, government IT. These are, are critical elements. Uh, how do you how do you narrow the divide between the folks that are that are responsible for IT and mission, and you know the contracting officers, the procurement community, which always they're always interested in doing the right thing, but to give them a charter to move to best value procurements rather than uh, you know a, a situation where they feel that they have to focus on competition and specification first and foremost in, in, in an LPTA format, right? So I think it, it, I look at it as, as a trifecta of legislation that, that would really enable us to make some progress where government can ask the right question, can ask the challenging, uh, for a challenging solution from industry that creates revolutionary progress towards transforming IT, towards transforming the workforce, you know, through, through passing all of these acts. Do you get a sense that agencies are moving toward best value more? I know there was some concern a while ago that lowest price technically acceptable LPTA was getting too much attention. Agents, the pendulum swung too far to the right, let's say, and now it seems to be coming back. But are you still seeing a lot of LPTA versus best value? Well, the vast majority of what we see is LPTA. Even though it's not calling out, I'm going to interrupt, even though it's not calling out LPTA, it just, the way they write it just makes you as the vendor go, they're just looking for lowest price. They actually, the vast majority of the time is called out as LPTA. Oh, interesting. Right? Okay. I mean, that's, that is the, the vast majority of procurements that, that we see come down the pike. I think that 
the feeling we get, and, and as I speak to many of my counterparts from other companies across industry, um, I, you know, it's a very consistent message. The, the, it, it's, it feels as though the procurement community has their hands tied and, and that they are uh, managed to deliver their uh, procurements under LPTA. That's interesting because I know DOD, as an example, has really tried to push back against it. You don't see it as much in the in the civilian side where there's either memos from OFBP or CIOs talking about it. So I'm interested that you're still seeing that when you bring the RFIs back or the RFPs back to the government and say, hey, this is LPTA. Do they go, no, it's not. This is, we're just looking for the best value. Like, what do they say? Well, you know, we try not to spend a lot of time complaining. Um, <laughs> is and, that a bad, bad business thing? Help me out here. <laughs> complaining. Look, look, I, I have a great deal of respect for the folks that work in, in the contracting shops. They have one of the hardest jobs in government. And, um, you know, they're trying to serve multiple masters in, in you know, in, in the way that they run their uh, their function. So all, all of that being said, I, I think the truth is that we want to be able to listen to the problems that exist in the agency, clearly understand that, devise then a solution that probably spans multiple technologies might include some services to tie it all together, certainly would include some support elements so that so that sustainment goes across the solution and and now i think that that you, you know delivering a technology solution along the lines of what i just described allows for much more rapid and robust progress in areas like it modernization or workforce transformation beyond getting rid of lpta or stop using it for more complex services type what other areas of procurement you'd like to see change is it more innovation more agile iterative DevOps, whatever you want to call it, or what? Well, Agile is a big one, and but we, we also see that when you're acquiring what we would call uh, a solution, it, it should actually span the gamut of hardware, software-defined infrastructure, uh, technology, so software. It, you know, it should cite the actual workload. Right? We know that hardware runs software, software runs the world. Um, so what is that workload? And, you know, how have we designed a solution that really optimally supports that? Also from the perspective of, of continuing to develop in that space, right? So with, with uh, Pivotal, which is a member of our Dell Technologies family, uh, that agile development, um, you know, extends, you know, extends um, and increases the effectiveness of that software to support the agency mission after we've delivered, let's say, a rock solid, uh, you know, infrastructure software defined solution. Uh, as as a basis. Steve, we've had a fascinating conversation. Unfortunately, we're almost out of time. From your perspective, as you meet with your customers in the federal market, as you talk to them, what kind of advice or what, what should they take away from our conversation about this IT modernization journey? We know that workforce transformation is dependent on optimal IT solutions. We know that, you know, the data center in many agencies has a significant need for IT modernization. You have to modernize the IT in the data center. You have to transform the technology that you put in the hands of the government end user, as well as the workflow, as they're being asked to, to execute on some of the most challenging job descriptions on planet Earth. Um, you know, the technology is the key to unlocking substantial improvements in productivity. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Innovation in Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft on federalnewsradio.com, 1500 AM. I've been your host, Jason Miller. I'd like to thank my guests today. 
Steve Harris, the Senior Vice President and General Manager of Dell EMC Federal. Steve, thank you so much for taking the time. Jason, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com and search innovation. Thank you for listening to the Innovation in Government show, sponsored by Carisoft on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. The entire discussion can be found on demand at Federal News Radio keyword innovation.